Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. This week, we'll be talking about the music production program Samplitude and how a team of people working around the world in conjunction with the developer of the program made this accessible to blind people. We'll speak with Steve Spammer, who worked with others in the blindness community to enable this, and Tom Wolf, a developer from Magix. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Tom Wolf. Everything, what you do for accessibility is also good for usability in general, also for sighted persons. I've usually found that to be true, that Programs that seem to be more accessible to me are also more pleasurable and easy to use by people who are sighted. Yes, that's a great point, uh, what you say, because uh, the usability or UX uh, area, you always have the accessibility as a big point, what you have to be aware And we've seen that with many interviews with other developers and users that Good design for accessibility means good design for all. And not just with situations that relate to computers, you know, that relates to putting higher contrast colors on things and lots of other aspects of life. Let's start by meeting Steve and Tom and learning how they got connected to work together on this project. Hi, my name's Steve Spamer, and I'm from Hull, which is in East Yorkshire in England, in the UK. I'm 47, married, a couple of kids, and a lot of my time is going into writing scripts for Samplitude at the moment, and the scripts are called Samplitude Access. And I've been involved in doing that for about the last three years now. You're a JAWS user. That's why you're writing JAWS scripts for Samplitude. Yeah, I'm a JAWS user um, and have been for about 10, 11 years, something like that, when I first got a computer. So we should say that Samplitude is a program used for music editing and production. And that's how you ran into our other guest, Tom, who works at Magix, the company that develops Amplitude. So, Tom, can you introduce yourself? My name is Thomas Wolf. I am now the product owner of Soundforge, but uh, I was 17 years developer for Amplitude and Sequoia. Friends say Tom to me. I am from Germany, and we are located in Dresden. It's in Saxony. And we uh, have an office also in Berlin and Lübeck. So, Steve, I know you yourself are blind. Have you been blind since birth? No. um, I started with my eyes about the age of 18. um, And then it slowly uh, deteriorated over that time. And I got my first guide dog at about 23. And, um, you know, it's just been deteriorating ever ever since. I've, I've got a little bit of sight, but because of the amount of things going on in my eye and the distractions I've got, you know, I don't really use it at all. 
And Thomas, you are not blind. No, I'm a sighted person, yes. And how did you two initially hook up? I came across a guy called Tim Dolbear on the internet, and I think he's the U.S., uh, or maybe one of the U.S. Uh, distributors of Samplitude, or representatives. Uh, so I contacted him and asked if he could help in any way, you know, for me to get in touch with the people that could answer them my questions. And basically, within a couple of hours, he was very, very quick and got me in touch with Tom. And basically, it started from there. And as soon as I got contact with Tom, he was very agreeable to, to ask me asking questions and, and stuff like that. And it just basically grew from there that I had direct contact with Tom. Maybe I can start uh, a little bit earlier when we started at Magix to think about accessibility. At some time ago, some years, we got uh, questions from German blind users and we started working uh, closely together with people who need special properties in the software to uh, have better access to Samplitude or Sequoia. And that's why we are long time aware of these issues. And then one day I got an email from Steve and uh, yes, I know Tim Dolby a good. And that's why he connected us each other. And I was um, very interested in what uh, Steve can tell me because we always want to uh, improve the accessibility features and now we have the uh, possibility to talk also to an uh, English speaking person, not only German blind person. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is Samplitude and how Steve worked with others in the blindness community, as well as Tom from Magix, to develop custom JAWS scripts to make Samplitude usable with a screen reader. Pete's been using Samplitude for a while now, and so he knows lots about it. But for me and the rest of our listeners, can you explain what Samplitude is and what it allows a user to do? Yeah, Samplitude is a digital audio workstation, a multi-track piece of software, uh, very much like um, Sonar or Cubase or Pro Tools, what people never heard of before. So it allows a person to record their music or podcasts or does video and things like that and edit it and mix it and master it. So it's a very complex piece of software that allows you to do multi-tracking um, and record music. Many blind people know that sometimes software doesn't work as well as you would like to out of the box, so to speak, via the keyboard and with your screen reader. What was the impetus to script samplitude? What kind of shortcomings were people likely to see first that necessitated the need for special scripts for JAWS? Right. Well, as Tom said, you know, I found out that this is um, prior to me to figuring out Samplitude and looking into it, is that the Magix had done some work previously to to Samplitude. But from my initial findings, I, I just had a gut feeling that this was a program that could be accessible. You know, it had a lot of potential. 
so I had a little bit of knowledge of the kind of logical aspect of how something should work and how to get it to work but I didn't have the skills at that time to make it an elegant kind of process if you know what I mean a design so what I actually did at that time was uh, ring a good friend of mine Tim Burgess who is an excellent programmer and draw scripter and I twisted his arm and asked him if he would be willing to come into this uh, venture with me because like I said at that time I didn't have the scripting knowledge to do what Samplitude required so um, that started the journey of um, starting the scripting and Tim actually started teaching me JAWS scripting. So you basically saw a need for JAWS users to be able to interact with Samplitude a little bit more effectively and efficiently and just went along to develop the skills as you learn to apply those skills to your problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, um, it, you know, the potential of Samplitude was was clear, but at that time I didn't have the skills to do it in the way I would like, but I knew Tim did. Unfortunately, or fortunately, when whichever way you look at it, Tim got um, a full-time job and he uh, couldn't do it anymore. So we actually only worked on it together for about three months. But in that time, I'd been working extremely hard on the JAWS scripting. Um, and having someone at the end of the phone like Tim to ask questions was, you know, invaluable. It's always good to have a resource on which you can rely. And Tom, you talked about Magic's working on accessibility and thinking about accessibility and Samplitude and some of your other projects even before this. Can you talk a little bit about what accessibility means to Magix and what you had to do to some of your programs to make them quote-unquote accessible? To be honest, I was a young child, young boy. Uh, 17 years ago, nobody was thinking about accessibility. That's a fact. But we started to get uh, questions about this and we think about it. And then we did a lot of things to use Braille devices. So it's basically customer feedback that got you to think about these issues and become more receptive to these ideas. Yeah, I was thinking about to improve it more and more because everything, what you do for accessibility is also good for usability in general, also for sighted persons. I've usually found that to be true, that Programs that seem to be more accessible to me are also more pleasurable and easy to use by people who are sighted. Yes, yeah. that's a great point, uh, what you say, because uh, the usability or the UX uh, area, you always have the accessibility as a big point, what you have to be aware. So now there's always a trade-off with developers. I mean, you're often when you're developing programs, you're resource limited in terms of how many people and how many hours you can devote to some tasks. And the people who need some of these accessibility features are sometimes a small part of the market. How do you struggle with that balance? And you know what kind of effort really has to be put into a program to make it a little bit more accessible? That's a good question. Really, I struggle sometimes in uh, earlier days to explain what we do for only a niche but with this uh, arguments that everything what you do in accessibility is also good for the usability and uh, 
efficiency for this program that point is uh, unbeatable and uh, nobody can say something about this so yeah we can focus on accessibility yeah in, in a better way for for users uh, like blind users and one point i also want to say what's very important we have no blind developers in the company and nobody can work like a blind person so we always need the input of somebody like Steve or other blind persons and the feedback users to help us to improve the accessibility because it's very hard for us to understand what the, the real need is because we can always take the mouse or uh, work with the keyboard and, and see everything you can use graphical interfaces like you want and you never think how would it be to to switch off the monitor and to not use the mouse. So, yeah. Right. And your developers certainly aren't used to using a screen reader and don't know all the features and functions of a screen yes. reader if they're sighted. So it's really crucial to make connections with people like Steve who are willing to give that kind of feedback and work cooperatively with the developers. Yes, that's, that's absolutely important to, to work with blind persons. And I suppose similarly for you, Steve, it's really nice to be able to make a direct connection with some of the developers rather than going through tech support. I mean, sometimes you write the tech support with an issue with your screen reader or accessibility, and you get back some very curt responses that indicate, you know, they don't really understand the issues, don't have time for that. But to make a direct connection with a developer has to be really key and help your work, I would guess. Oh, absolutely, because you've got that barrier of these people who they are supposed to do the technical support, but they don't know the answers to your questions. So sometimes it just gets put to the bottom of the pile. Can you give us specific examples of how this interaction has helped you make Samplitude more accessible with these scripts? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I'll give you one um, very good example of what Tom was just talking about there, how it can be beneficial for blind and sighted people. And I'm sure Tom will remember this, is that there was one issue regarding um, automation and samplitude. And for those who don't know, automation is a method for making a parameter vary with time through an audio recording, such as varying the volume up and down. And usually this is done graphically, not very accessible by the visually impaired. Prior to its current workings now, um, in order to add what they call automation nodes uh, within Samplitude, you had to click on a graphical interface with a colored line on it, and you had to add nodes along this particular line, and it was totally inaccessible for us. And Tom, actually, you know, after talking to him about the, the particular problems with this, it was Magic's actually, like, created uh, new functions that allowed nodes to be added to, and then you could edit them and you could move to the next one and all in an accessible way and the feedback from the forum was very positive from sighted people as well and that was a direct thing that T Tom did. Thank you. Steve said it's very complex and it needs some rounds to develop good accessibility. So Steve was talking with me can we try this or can we try this and then we prototyped something and Steve tried to access it and then we changed our minds sometimes and do it another way or we found better ideas with automation points or nodes 
it's not Steve uh, give us the idea and we uh, make a hundred percent working uh, workflow. Uh, it needs some time to to improve it, and then you get one day uh, a nice feature and accessibility feature for, for everybody. Well, you know, and it's interesting. You pointed this out before, Tom, that good accessibility design also often means good design for all users, including sighted users. And, you know, one of my first examples of that was when I started using Windows with a screen reader, and I found a book called Windows from the Keyboard. And I assumed it was written for people using screen readers because they primarily navigate and perform functions via keyboard commands. Turns out it was written by a sighted person for using a laptop on an airplane back when you had to use funny kinds of ways of navigating around the screen. That was when they had those little eraser top joysticks. I don't even remember what they were called, but they were horrible. Right. So the smart sighted people were already using keyboard shortcuts to do useful and efficient. And let me tell you, after Pete memorized that book, I took it from him and memorized every keyboard shortcut in it. And I'm fully sighted, but it's just more convenient. To add to the keyboards and their shortcuts in Samplitude, it is awash with shortcut keys and that you can assign different keys to different functions and, and to any functions in the toolbars and stuff. I remember one of the first things I noticed is that there was like keystrokes for Alt and S to solo, Alt and M to mute, Alt and R to record. But the first thing that hit me is that there was no way of knowing whether you'd turn the solo on or whether you'd turn the solo off. The keystroke actually did turn it on and off, but there was no way of us knowing that there was a chain. Obviously, it was chained if you've got multiple tracks and you're soloing certain ones, there was no way of knowing which ones were soloed, which ones wasn't, um, whether there was on or off. So there's lots and lots of keystrokes in Samplitude, and the scripts basically just harness a lot of the functionality of those keystrokes and give what we need, which is the feedback, to let us know what that an action's happened, that, you know, um, what's going you know, to happen next, what a value is. It's just giving us feedback because Samplitude already has a lot of keystrokes to do things. Yeah, there's things that you need to see on the screen in order to know what happened. That's it's absolutely uh, true. What you need is the feedback on the computer, and that's all about. Uh, it's using the keyboard and the feedback. That's everything you have to be aware. And to say something about this book, uh, for sighted person, Everybody who is working professional with a computer is always using the keyboard or the keystrokes. So you are much, much faster with the keyboard than with mouse. So if you be efficient, you always use the keyboard. And that's the, the good thing. If you make your program accessible with the keyboard, you help also sighted persons. So you make the program efficient. Tom, you mentioned that you've now moved over to be the product manager of SoundForge. And I was wondering if you could give us a quick overview of what SoundForge is and how your experience of working with Steve on Samplitude to make it more accessible has transferred over to your work on developing SoundForge. Yes, I became product owner last year when Magix took over the Sony Creative part. It's Vegas, Acid, and SoundForge. 
and I am now responsible for SoundForge. And SoundForge itself, it was also accessible from beginning. In my experience, what I did with uh, the years in working on Semptitude and uh, working together with Steve and other blind person is that we now, when we develop new things inside Semptitude or inside SoundForge, we take care from the beginning of the development also on accessibility. So we have blind better users in our user group that always became better versions and uh, directly test new features and also old features uh, and they find uh, accessibility issues and uh, can they can report us directly to me. Uh, I am responsible for everything and so I can prioritize the issues and it's going directly into development what uh, comes from users. That's also a point that metrics take care of it. It's we have always a user-driven development. We listen to the users in emails like Steve or forums or direct calls and make usability tests or accessibility tests and take this experiences directly into our development. So we work really close together with our users and through this we can reach a really better user experience in our software than the years before. So it sounds like you've integrated these accessibility concepts into the development process right up front and it has to be a lot easier to do that beforehand rather than make over a program afterwards and try to fix these issues. It's uh, always to, to be aware of accessibility before you start development. Can you describe what SoundForge is? Yeah, SoundForge is a professional audio editor. Uh, with new version 12 of SoundForge, we integrated lots of uh, professional algorithms and cleaning restoration tools inside SoundForge. And you can add and uh, design your sounds. It's used, uh, most of the people use it for podcast sound design or loop creation. Yeah, it's used, for example, in companies like Ubisoft or Activision Blizzard. They make game sounds and uh, dialogues for, his, for their games and also used by lots of famous People like uh, Ted Perlman, or uh, I'm in contact with Krillate in the moment of the drama DC, and yeah, it, it makes a lot of fun to to be the product owner of SoundForge. Uh, I'm really really happy to give all my experience to develop this tool. So I know you've written the scripts to Samplitude, Steve, but. This is actually a larger team. Can you talk about the team effort and who else is involved? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm the sole script writer. And we have Phil Muir, who does all the documentation. Uh, we have Len Villion, who is a guy in South Africa, a wonderful musician who does a lot of beta testing for us. And we also have a wonderful guy called Jan Kerja in Turkey 
who is responsible for writing the installer for Samplitude Access. And together, you know, we really do kind of work together to get this out to the to the users. And also, just as a, a note as well, Tim, for all Tim uh, worked with me for three months at the beginning, Tim has always been there. This is Tim Burgess um, in you know, giving me advice if I've got any problems, if I want to just talk to him about specific scripting issues. He's always on the end of the phone and he's been a great support for this project. And just a little note that Tim will be taking over scripting in the very near future after the, the next release um, to actually add Braille support and get the scripts ready for multi-language translation. It's a great example of people across the world working in a community together to offer a great service and resource for the visually impaired, and you guys offer it for free, which is nice. What's really important is I have to thank Steve and the team. I have to say also thank you to Jim Snowbarger, John Welsman, Michael Kuhlmann from Germany, and a lot of other people. Oh, great. Great. Okay. Thanks. Good. Thank you very much. Now for this week's final item, how you can learn more about Samplitude, Magics, and SoundForge. So if people are interested in finding out a little bit more about Magics, Samplitude, or SoundForge, or any of the other products, where would you send them? It's magics.com, and you can find uh, everything about Samplitude and SoundForge there. But there's also uh, soundforge.com where you can go directly to SoundForge products. And in this case, magics is spelled M-A-G-I-X. If people are interested in working with the scripts that you've been developing for the past several years, Steve, where would you send them? Yeah, people can go to www.samplitudeaccess.org.uk and they can download the scripts there and read some articles and help guides and stuff. So people should also know that there is a DL that one can join if one wants to use the scripts with Samplitude and interact with other users. Can you tell people how to subscribe to that DL? Uh, yes, we have a mailing list called the VIP Audio Access Mailing List, and um, people can join that. I think it's by sending um, an email to VIP Audio Access at freelist.org with subscribe in the uh, subject line. And it's just a great kind of resource for visually impaired people to uh, work with Samplitude and the scripts. As usual, we'll have all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You'll also find a link in the show notes to the updated scripts they released in July. That's it for show number 1833. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about audio description for various venues. Audio description uses spoken language to convey the visual world. It can direct a visitor through a museum, orient a listener to a work of art, or allow access to the visual aspects of a performance. We'll speak with Rachel Melton of Mind's Eye Radio about the ins and outs of audio description 
and what makes a good description in each of these very different venues. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success, or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.